If you just freed up some space, if you might want to move into the middle a little bit, leave some room on the edges if people want to try to slide in along the way somewhere. Um, Hey, each week of Advent, we are highlighting a different ministry that we are asking people to consider, uh, maybe reproportioning their Christmas spending um, and giving some money to some eternal things. And so last week, we got to hear about the ministry called the Global Orphan Project and a particular part of their ministry, which is providing school uniforms for kids in third world countries so they can go to school, and so that's not a barrier or a hindrance to them. Um, Back in the corners of the foyer back there, in each corner there's a little display for each one of those ministries. There's envelopes that you can give if you'd like to give towards those things this Christmas, and um, you can just put it in the normal offering box on the table back there. Today we're going to get to hear uh, a little bit more about the ministry of Young Life, and... um, and just its impact, particularly through the camping part of their ministry. Um, most of you guys know that I came to Young Life, I, I came to Christ at Young Life Camp um, in high school. So did my wife, Kristen. Um, I was on Young Life staff for six years. When I came here to St. Joe in 2001, this guy that's going to share with us this morning was one of my volunteers, and he's been volunteering pretty much ever since. Um, and so he is a legend in his own mind. And uh, let's bring him up, Mr. Jacob Kimball. It is on. Uh, like Bob said, my name is Jacob Kimball. Um, I am a teacher and a coach at Central High School here in town. Um, more importantly, though, I'm a Young Life leader I'm at Central. And so I'm just going to share with you a little bit um, today about Young Life, but I want to do something first, a little audience participation, if you will. Um, if you are sitting in here and at any point in your life, you or your family has been impacted by Young Life, raise your hand. Look around the room. A lot of people. You can put your hands down. Now, if you are a high school or middle school kid in here currently um, and you have been impacted by Young Life or Wildlife, raise your hand. It's a lot of people up there. We got a lot down here. Yeah, so, I mean, my point is here at Wellspring, um, I mean, Young Life is kind of deeply embedded um, in our community. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about today, just um, kind of briefly about what what Young Life is and then a little bit about. camping, um, which is a great time. So Young Life actually has a really long standing tradition in St. Joe, 61 years. Um, and the ministry itself isn't that much older than that. And so Young Life's been around St. Joe for a really long time. It is an outreach, non-denominational ministry. Um, we go after kids. Um, we chase after kids. We go to their turf. Um, we, we don't ask them to come to us as leaders. We go out and hang out with them. Um, for some leaders, that might look like going to lunch um, at the school. It might look like going to games or musicals, things like that, going out to eat, going to places where kids are um, so that we might um, foster a relationship with those kids um, because what Young Life is, it is a relational ministry. Um, you know, if, if you look at Scripture, um, Jesus was a pretty relational guy, um, and, and that's what Young Life kind of hangs their hat on is we, we go out and we hang out with kids. It's relational, and what we want to do is earn the right to be heard. Um, and once we have earned that right, um, we can enter into some really cool conversations with kids about um, things other than, say, sports and school, but about something more significant, and that's Jesus. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, those of you that know me well know I like to tell stories. Um, Hines are laughing at me here because they know I like stories. Um, so I'm going to tell you a story about a kid. He was a sophomore in high school. Um, he was playing in a basketball game. 
playing on the sophomore team. There were probably like 17 people at the game. Um, and one of those people at the game um, was a Young Life leader. And um, after the game, um, this kid comes out of the locker room and um, this guy comes up and he's like, hey, man, I want to introduce myself to you. My name's Dave Hind. Um, and this kid was like, oh, yeah, I've kind of I've kind of seen this guy around school. He comes to lunch. I don't really know what his story is, though, because he's an adult coming to lunch. Like, what's the, what's the deal with that? And so this guy, Dave Hind, um, kind of just kept after this kid quite a bit and kept inviting him to places and inviting him to club. And um, eventually um, he invites him to camp. Um, that kid was me. Um, and it just it, that, that's what young life is. Um, that's just kind of a picture of it. Um, I didn't, I mean, we didn't have a relationship. We didn't know each other very well. Um, but he saw a kid and went up and introduced himself. And that moment, probably outside of the locker room at Central, probably changed the course of my life. Um, and so Dave, he took me to, um, to camp that summer, 1999, um, Frontier Ranch, which we'll have a picture of here in a minute, not quite yet. But, um, and so um, just to kind of tell you a little bit um, about camping, um, you know, a lot of the leaders, we kind of joke around. Um, I think Renee Zwerink was the first one that ever said this. We shouldn't call it Young Life Camping. We should call it Young Life Resort um, because that's basically what it is. You know, we've had kids ask, like, do I need to bring my sleeping bag for the tent? And we don't have tents. We have really, really nice cabins. Um, the food is unbelievable. Um, you know, there's, there's a ton of fun activities and rides and things like that. Um, and this summer, we're going to Frontier Ranch, if you want to throw that up there, a little Frontier Ranch action. Um, any of you guys going? Kids, raise your hand if you're going to Frontier Ranch. It's good. It's good. Got a lot up there. Um, and at Frontier, there's a ton of fun activities. Here's the thing about Young Life Camp. Um, you know, we tell kids during the year in Young Life Talks that, um, you know, Jesus came so that we could have life and have it to the full. Um, and that's what Young Life Camp is. It is life to the full. It is high adventure and it is fun. Um, certain things we'll do there. We will climb a mountain. Um, we will um, ride on ridge runners, which are like dune buggy things. Um, there's a ropes course. Um, there's horseback riding. We're going to rappel down the side of a mountain. That's literally the, where we're going to be rappelling, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and so um, Dave, like I said, took me to camp um, in 1999, if you want to go to that picture. Neither of us have changed a bit. I mean, we look the exact same. I mean, really. Um, and he took me again to camp the next summer. Um, we went to Windy Gap, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And, you know, here's the thing. I said that moment changed my life. And Bob, when he did come, I've, uh, I've actually served under the last three area directors here, which all attend church here. I served under, under Dave as area director, Bob, and... Phil's wearing over there, and um, you know it, th- those moment, those moments at camp. I mean, really did change the course of my life. I I have now um, led a cabin of guys fourteen times at a young life camp, and one time at a wildlife camp. You can throw that picture up there. Um, it's a picture of one cabin. You got Justin May on there, um, so with a mohawk, which is cool. Um, and so it, it has just been a blessing, um, and you know. The thing about it, I said earlier, we, we, we want to enter into significant conversations with kids. We want to earn their trust and earn the right to be heard. Um, and in all honesty, one of the places that, that really happens um, is Young Life Camp. Um, you know, kids are um, maybe just kind of removed from all of the distractors of society. Um, and we get to really sit down and dig into life 
um, and dig into what a life with Jesus might look like. Um, and so, you know, this year, um, or this Advent season, as we um, really start to um, think about spending less on stuff and spending more um, on things that are going to honor Jesus, um, I, I really do believe Young Life Camp is one of those things. Um, you know, the number of people that raise their hand in here um, probably were impacted pretty heavily um, by a Young Life Camp, just like Bob said, he came to Christ um, at a Young Life Camp. And so, um, you know, if you feel led to that, um, it, it is a pretty cool thing. I, I can stand up here for four hours and try to explain to you what Young Life Camp is, but, I mean, you can't really explain it um, unless you've been and experienced it. And the fact of the matter is, um, high adventure sometimes has cost, um, and sometimes that can be a barrier for kids to go to camp. Um, and so, um, if you feel led, um, I, I can tell you this, um, you know, I, I've been involved in Young Life for a long time, and if there was a better outreach ministry out there for, to reach high school and middle school kids, I'd probably go do that. Um, but I haven't seen it and I haven't found it. Um, I just think Young Life does it right. Um, I think that they, um, Young Life is very authentic. It's very honest and it gets to the root um, of what living life to the full is like. Um, and that's living in a relationship with Christ. Um, and so here in St. Joe, I mean, it's our hope and our prayer that um, we can get as many kids as we can to go to camp um, so that they can be presented to the gospel in a way that either one, maybe they've never heard it, or two, um, in a way that they've maybe never heard it before. Um, and so thank you um, for listening. Um, if you would like some more information about Young Life, um, there's a table back there um, with a lot of great pictures and information and things like that. So thank you very much. Yes, Young Life uh, Camp is hard to explain, but the fruit of it in people's lives is hard to deny. So, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in my message today, as a matter of fact. So, uh, we're in the season of Advent, as I shared early this morning, and this morning we're going to talk a little bit about the mystery of Advent. I want to begin by telling a story uh, about a guy named Henry Nowen, who is a renowned uh, teacher and pastor. We've shared a lot of his uh, information from several books that he's uh, written uh, during our sermons here at Wellspring, but he spent... um, the last seven years of his life, serving mentally disabled uh, adults um, in, a, in a community um, in Canada. And one story from there, uh, from his time there, centers around the Advent season. So I want to share this story. He said, one Christmas, a member of our community arranged under the altar three small wood-carved figures made in India, a poor woman, a poor man, and a small child between them. The carvings were simple nearly primitive, no features, just the contour of their faces. The figures were smaller than a human hand. But when a beam of light shone on the figures, large shadows were projected on the wall of the sanctuary, which, according to Nowen, functioned as large, hopeful shadows against the walls of our life and world. Without the light, there, had, there was little to be seen. One could pass by those figures and continue to walk in darkness, but, observed Nowen, everything changes with the light. Everything changes with the light. Isn't that the truth? 
The season of Advent invites us to reflect on and celebrate the coming of the light, the incarnation of God putting on flesh in the, in the form of the Christ child. And speaking of Jesus, the disciple John in his gospel chapter one said this, in him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The better Greek translation of that last part there is, is the darkness couldn't put a lid on it, couldn't destroy it, couldn't suppress it. The incarnation is the greatest mystery that the world has ever offered, offered us. And every year we set aside a season to reflect on his coming, to ponder not only his birth in the past, but also look forward to his coming again in the future. And as the angels say over and over again in heaven, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We live in this this great in-between time, right? Between these two great historical events where, where God came in the form of a child in Bethlehem and then that time in the future when he will come again. And this time in between uh, is a really mysterious time. What makes it so mysterious is this. As crazy as it was that Jesus was born, <laughs> that, that the God put on skin and became flesh, and as crazy as it sounds that he's going to come again, at least in both of those historical situations, there's going to be a body. <laughs> Jesus is going to be embodied in those two different times. In this mysterious in-between time that we live in now, Jesus manifests himself in the Holy Spirit. And so his presence dwells in each one of us that call him our Lord and Savior. So in order to see Christ in the here and now requires a keen eye. And it requires a a measure of faith um, that's stretching for us, that's challenging to us. As the resurrected Jesus once told his disciple Thomas, who was doubting his resurrection, he told him, he said, because you've seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. So everything changes with the light. December 30th, 1985, it was about two months after the Royals won their first world championship, and I was still kind of high on that. And I went to Young Life Camp. In fact, I went to Frontier Ranch in Colorado on a ski trip. And I was 16 years old. And after about two years of hearing about this Jesus guy and and, and living around this compelling community of other kids in my high school that were followers of Christ, I was at a point where I believed all the stuff about Jesus was true. And I willingly laid down my life and acknowledged him as my master and Lord. I received him as my savior, that he had paid the penalty for my sins, and I was forgiven. And as a result of that declaration of faith in my life, his Holy Spirit took up residence in my heart, and has and will continue to transform me into the image of Christ. I became a new creation. And the mystery of Bethlehem was born again in my life. Everything changed when the light invaded me. I became one with Jesus. And that's a mystery that 30 years later, 
I still don't fully understand. Now, fast forward seven years, July 18th, 1992, and I'm standing on an altar at a church in Kansas City, and I'm staring across from my beautiful bride, Kristen, who's looking at me in the eye, and she's pledging her life to me, that she'll love me more than any other men out there, at least that she'd met, (laughs) right? (laughs) And in that moment that we pledged our lives to one another, this mystery took place. In that moment, God looked down at Kristen and I and saw us for the first time as one entity, the two becoming one flesh, the mystery of marriage. And 23 years later, I still don't understand it fully, even a little bit. (laughs) So fast forward from there three years, August 5th, 1995, and I'm standing in a hospital room at North Kansas City Hospital watching our first child, Zachary, be born. And after what appeared to be a quite painful process, I'm holding in the arms, my arms, this priceless gift, a human being that was formed in my wife's womb that's now ours. And it's this overwhelming mystery that we were lucky enough to experience two more times with the birth of our daughters. And 20 years later, I still don't fully understand it. It's hard to comprehend. My salvation, our marriage, our children, all mysteries. All made possible by the greatest mystery ever, the birth of God. And those, for me, are just a few of kind of my mysterious moments in life. You might have some similar ones depending on your age and stage in life. You might have some different ones. That God has done where you've known that he showed up in just some magical, wonderful way. And the season of Advent invites us to cling to those wonders. The wonders going on in us, the wonders going on around us and through us. We must stand in awe. We must have a healthy fear of the Lord that draws us to our knees. Otherwise, we miss it. And we limit its power. And what God is hoping to accomplish as we come to this Advent season year after year after year, the world is swirling around us and it's conspiring to distract us from the mystery when God comes near in our life. And so during Advent time, we we challenge one another to, to embrace this mystery that, that which we cannot fully explain or understand, but that we can touch and we can feel in a spouse or a friend or a child or a church community. It's because we are surrounded by evidence of the light of the world's power to create and transform us all. And Advent both reminds us of our lowly state as sinful beggars, while it also reminds us of our glorious infinite value as adopted children of the living God. I don't understand it all. I don't understand why God would save me. I don't understand 
why a woman would pledge her life to me. I don't understand why our lives would be blessed by our miraculous children. But all I know is that my life has been touched in some pretty unbelievable and wonderful ways by a mysterious and loving God. And I want to know that God more. And so every year that I'm alive, every season of Advent that I get to experience and live through, however long God has me on this earth, I want to come out of that season knowing this mysterious God on a deeper and deeper level. And my prayer for us all is that we would take the posture of learners, that we would be people who would seek to experience and know the fullness of all that that God has to offer us through his son at Christmas. So in this present moment, in this in-between time between his first coming and when he'll come again, can we take the posture of the psalmist? Psalm 63, David wrote this. He said, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole body longs for you. When we come to God in that humble and eager spirit, he's more than willing to be found and to reveal more of himself. Jesus said this in this famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verse 6. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In my life, the light has changed everything. And I want a deeper and deeper appreciation for who God is, for what he's done in me, and what he wants to continue to do for the rest of my life. And Advent is a mystery because this incarnation, this, this idea that God would take on flesh to come and save and redeem all of us, we will never fully understand, ever And that's the beauty of it. It's it's so simple in some respects, but so big that we could spend our whole life swimming around trying to figure out what does that mean. (laughs) We have a lifetime to ponder it more deeply. And I love this passage in Luke chapter 2, and I want to conclude with that today. So I want you guys to go ahead and get your Bibles out. Turn to Luke chapter 2. It's page 716 in your pew Bibles. Luke 2, starting in verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had, ha- what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary didn't understand a fraction of what was going on in her and around her. But as she kind of started to piece together just even just a little bit of the magnitude and the mystery of her child, it says that she treasured up those things and pondered them in her heart. And so that's my invitation, my challenge to you this Advent season is would you take some time to ponder those things in your heart? Could we set aside some time to do that this Advent season? All the mysterious ways that he's entered in with his light and done amazing things in you and appreciate those things? And as you do that, could you go to him and pray for more understanding? Could you say, God, you know, what you've done in my life to this point has been unbelievable, but I want to know and feel and appreciate and honor that more and more deeply. Would you continue to kind of unravel your power and, and the amazing things you've done in my life more and more so I have a deeper appreciation for those things? And practically, what does that look like for you? That might mean for you getting together with your spouse, getting together with a friend, a parent, a child, and just saying, hey, let's talk a little bit about what the Lord's done in our life. What are some of the mysterious things that have gone on in our life that we really can't explain, but just to say, God, you're awesome. What it might mean for you is saying to your spouse or to your friend, hey, could you give me an hour? I want to go for a walk, and I just want to quiet myself. And not really have to say anything, but just invite the Holy Spirit to say, God, would you please just show me again the miraculous things you've done in my life? Take me back to those moments so I can just kind of savor the power of that again in my life. Sometimes I I picture myself as a 16-year-old at 11 o'clock at night, sitting on the side of the pool at Frontier Ranch, staring up at the stars bawling my eyes out that a heavenly father would love me, would forgive me, would have grace and mercy for me. And I need God to take me back there sometimes, 30 years, to get in touch with that first moment that I invited that into my life. And I don't want you to get to the end of this Christmas season and miss it. And uh, all the presents are unwrapped and the, the craziness and the busyness is over and you sit in your chair and you just think, I'm not even sure that I connected with Jesus. I'm not even sure that I learned anything new. What a waste. What a waste of a season that's supposed to be about him. As I was reading through that passage this morning and hearing Jacob talk, I, I was, uh, God just kind of took my mind back to about two months ago. I went to a Young Life banquet um, in Raymore, Missouri, which is where I started doing Young Life. And my wife and I were there for two years. And we had a rowdy group of kids. <laughs> they were out there. And um, two kids in particular, I remember um, taken to camp, and they were lost as lost can be. 
but I remember my conversations with them. They have this one-on-one time at the end of camp. Brandon and Cody, and I remember sitting and talking with them and about Jesus and them both making a commitment to Christ. And I was at this banquet a couple months ago, and one of those guys was there. He went on to be a Young Life leader in the community. Him and his wife still lead Young Life there. And I was asking him about this other guy. Actually, his name was Josh. I was saying, hey, do you see Josh anymore? And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I saw him at church last week. And he, he loves the Lord. And I was just like, man. <laughs> Talk about the light changing everything. Guys, we've got this mysterious, amazing gift. Let, let, let's enter into this Advent season and just sit back and just dwell and bask in the wonder of all that God is and all that he's done. Let's make time for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your light changes everything. And just like that story of those small, insignificant little figures, you take small, insignificant people like me and you shine your light on us and you make us bigger than we are and you fill us with power that's beyond our ability to replicate in our own strength and you use us in ways that are so beyond our ability for your kingdom and so God as we as we look behind to your birth and we look ahead to your coming again and all that those things will mean for us. God, I pray for the here and now, this in-between time. God, help us just moment by moment, day by day, to just get a sense of your majesty and your wonder. And God, as much time as maybe we've already spent this Advent season at the mall or at a computer trying to find the perfect gift, could we set aside some time for you to be still, to give you our full attention, And just celebrate with you all that you are and all that you've done. God, we love you. We thank you so much. We pray in the name of your precious son, Jesus. Amen.